The car you drive every day should be fun. But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. We had a surprisingly fun day yesterday. Yeah, we did. We, we went out to shoot a couple of things. One of them is we had to get some, some footage of Chance's BRZ for a comparison piece we've got coming up of like the original version of the 86 versus yeah. the brand new 86. That's coming to YouTube directly soon. Right, just finishing so some we had things to get some up extra, there. Extra shots there. So we did that, and we also brought along my car, the FRS, which mm-hmm. is still currently for sale. And I had that weird experience of just how much fun that car is to drive. And both of us hooned it yesterday. Yeah, we did. Which was super fun. <laughs> and I just thought about how much fun I had driving it. It was. I had that weird quandary. The whole purpose of me taking it yesterday was to do a little piece that's also coming to YouTube that is kind of a pros and cons piece, mm-hmm. which I felt like this was a good time to do it, having owned the car two years. Talk is about, it two years already? Pretty much. Talk about the stuff wow. that was great. Got it in uh, right around June of 2015. Wow. Which is why it's a good time to, to have it move on. That's amazing. To somebody that will love it. Yeah. And then we can Agreed. cover something else. But it was cool to drive it and think about how much fun I have just every time I get to drive that car, I enjoy it. No, I agree. And you're practicing what you preach in terms of you don't have to dislike a car to get rid of it. Fair. We've said it before yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. And you tell me, you come away, you know, you were on vacation for, what, a week, week and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you came back, your car had sat, and you just were just kind of giddy driving it again. Yeah, it's very and, fun. And I love to hear that from you. It was yeah. fun. And I'm excited to have this piece come out. It'll probably be the last video piece we do on that car. So yeah. It felt like a good time to do a piece that was just about, let me tell you about the good stuff. Let's talk about the stuff that's annoying. Mm-hmm. And so that piece mm-hmm. is coming as well. But it was just a fun day to take that car out and just enjoy it. And then to be realistic about it, too. It, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying this place of, it's very weird, though. Is it the long goodbye? Really like. It is in some ways. It? it feels that way, yeah, because I, I am thoroughly enjoying it yeah. still. But yet, I'm like, okay, this can go, which is weird. That's funny. Well, I've got the uh, Cayman GTS update piece. Yeah, There's yeah, going to yeah. be a few gripes, but I've got to put that on camera and just take everybody for a drive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how just – that car influences me to do bad things. It just does. <laughs> and it's not, it's not a big push because that car goes <laughs> no. so quickly, so, so easily. And covers speed so well. I swear, every time I drive your car, Gosh. I look down and shock myself with the number on the dash. Man. It's almost always, genuinely, it's almost always 20 miles an hour faster than I think I'm going. And it's not a numbers car. It's not no. a, look how much horsepower no, 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 and no. torque and blah. You know, it's not that at all. It's but just. I, I swear to you, every time I'm in your car and I think, I must be going 80. Look down and go, oh, no, that's well into triples. <laughs> okay, daily triple. All right, there we go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing how fast that car is. Well, I appreciate your encouragement on this uh, whole M2 deal and uh, a quick update here. Yeah, please. You've hit on me to really get the money back from the dealership, yes. which I called them. Yes. It's been 16 months as of this recording. It's ridiculous, honestly. Which really is. And they said, we're sorry, we just couldn't obtain this car. To be honest, I don't know what the deal is about the M2 and BMW because they're out there for sale. Enthusiast Auto has a bunch. Yeah, people are they're selling expensive. them now. Yeah. They're just out there now. And I'm thinking, why couldn't I have obtained this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at this point, I've gotten my money back, and therefore I'm out of the contract. I'm free of it. Sure. Which means my thinking has changed. <laughs> because you have the disease. In so now the, the, board, way, the board's been cleared in your head, hasn't it? It has. And as you know, the the whole beginning of the story was I wanted the M2, put my money down thinking, oh, I'll just wait a few months. I'll finally get it. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, the Cayman came up. I pulled the trigger, got it, have enjoyed it for a year, just yeah. over a year now. Yeah, just barely, yeah. And have never been in this position to think, three cars, how frivolous is this? What yeah. am I doing? Yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. what are you doing? And now that I've got this money coming back, they're sending me a check, and am I going to go through with it? Because people are still asking me, are you going to do this? Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, then I got to thinking. <laughs> thinking is dangerous, as yeah. you know. I thought, well, if I'm going to spend the money on this third fun car, mm-hmm. or second fun car, but third car, I can't even believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Sure, yeah. It's almost like okay, I get it. Fun car and utility car. All right, those two are the cars. two you have right now. You have the Jeep and you have the, the GTS. Right, yeah. right. But this mm-hmm. third car over here, that's sort of frivolous. You don't need. To, I don't need it's, to be spending. It's this your money. disease car. It's, it's the, the car total, you bought because you have a disease. Totally. That's what that would be. And so I think, well, this money that I spend theoretically, if I do, I don't want it to depreciate as much as I know the other two are. Sure. But okay. I don't want to get something that I won't drive just because now I'm thinking, oh, don't put the miles on it because it's an investment sure. car and yeah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want that either. Mm-hmm. I'd have to 
ask to be smacked by you or somebody. Seriously. Just go drive the thing, right? We will not have the Ferris Bueller car in your yes. garage. It will not happen. Yes. And so then I got to looking at 1Ms. Mm, okay. All and right. And I thought, well, it's kind of an investment car, but they're out there and they're begging to be driven. And yes. how could you yes. not go drive this car? Because if I'm spending that much money, I could spend a little bit less, get the 1M. Mm -hmm. It's known, it's loved, but the prices are still high on it. On the other hand, it's like the Lotus that you keep talking about. I think it is. You know how much I love the 1M. We've, we've talked about it yes. a lot. It and is... I wouldn't get it to, you know. I know. No, you, anyway, because I know you love it. it you're and... not getting it because I like it, but it's out of no, my price range. No. But you're right. If you were going to spend M2 money, if I had M2 money, I would have bought a 1M by now. I wouldn't have bought an M2. Let's be honest. So M2 yeah. money, yeah. 55 grand, if you really spent that right now, I mean, I'm just going to take it out of the theoretical, I mean, put it into the theoretical right now. Forget that it's you and me talking. If it's just 55 grand, okay. if you were doing yeah. a car debate for somebody, 55 grand, right. and they said M2 or 1M, I would say 1M if they were the would. least bit worried about what's it going to be worth in a year. Because the M2 is just going to start dropping the moment you drive it home, and the yeah. 1M isn't. It just isn't, and it's taken the hit. It, you know, as you know, only built one year mm -hmm. in 2011. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's already taken the depreciation hit, and the reason it's holding steady is because it is what it is. So I think, all right, what if I got the one M? I can, I can but see the logic I thought, there. I can't. Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Do I need this? No, <laughs> in no way do I need this. And it would be fun. It would be amazing. But then I got to thinking the back deck on the house needs replacing because the wood's <laughs> rotting through. And, yeah, seriously. You know, there's other places I could put this money. I could do nothing mm -hmm. because I'm freed up of this contractual mm -hmm. obligation. You know, when you put your money down, they say, you know, unless we can't deliver a car, sure. you're yeah, yeah. obligated to buy, which is what I thought I was in. Mm -hmm. And here that disappeared. So I'm back out of it. I've got a fun car. I've got the GTS already. What am I thinking about another well, car? But you're having a... What on earth am I doing here? The thing I hope I hope resonates here is, because it certainly hits me, is you're having that same real-life car debate discussion that we have every Absolutely. single time we record this podcast. It's all about, here's how much money I have. Here's how much of a disease I have. Can I get a car that solves the disease and still afford... You're talking about your back, back deck. Still afford all the other stuff that life requires me to throw money at. Yeah. You know, and and if you if you weren't a car guy, your deck would have been solved long ago. <laughs> totally. Okay, that's the truth of it. Fortunately, so, we're super freaks. You know, car, but, exactly. But but you're having freaks. you're having a very realistic just discussion with yourself, debate with me. I think that's interesting because that's what we're talking about every single time we do car debates on the show. We have got two great ones coming up tonight. We've got Ben that wrote in right from here in Salt Lake City, and we've also got uh, Alex that wrote in from the UK. Lived in the US for a while. Now he's back in the UK. But that's the whole thing. All of these are discussions about it's like here's how much money I have. What do I do? What hole in my wallet do I yeah. create? <laughs> Gosh. And and you've yeah, you're having that discussion under a great place of the GTS of going, I don't need a fun car. No. Clearly you don't. No, but that's why we do that this. But yes, but but as we've always talked about, if all of us had unlimited budget, unlimited places to store cars, we would constantly be buying cars. Yes. Those are the two realities exactly that stop us from doing right. it. And you're sitting here looking at the money of it going should that money go to a third car when I already have a crazy fun really car? Smart. It's, it's a fair question. Really it's a fair question. It's right a real question. So be interesting to see where that develops. I do think that's a twist that I didn't expect, though. Well, I like that I can just keep debating with you on and on and on. And, As uh, we continue to do so. We will we will turn off the podcast <laughs> later and talk and for another hour about talk it this. Through. Of course we will. I love your perspective on it. Before we get to the car debates, the Porsche GT2 RS, we've oh, got man. to acknowledge this car. Well... The thing, the thing I yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, about all of this, this reveal stuff, the E three thing happens. Oh yes, right. And Porsche does this little bait and switch denial dance for a couple of weeks. <laughs> what was the point of that? I can't tell you because I the, can't the people, tell you. the people that are in the know and plugged into Porsche, pretty much got the order books full between E three and the official announcement at Goodwood. Yeah. So what? What is this weird little bait and switch? We're demurring. We're not really making the car. No, it's a fantasy car. It wouldn't be on the cover of the of the video game if it was a fantasy car. It wouldn't be. That's not what Forza does. Their their cover car is not going to be a made up car. No. And no. Porsche is not going to put out GT2 RS, which speaks directly to their history if a car doesn't exist. So what was this two week dance of it doesn't really exist? But of course now it does, and it's even hotter than we thought. <laughs> no kidding. I went searching for specs. It's all over. Just about every news outlet that does automotive, yeah. and including a lot of other news outlets. So mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. actually wanted a little bit different perspective from Wired Magazine here. Okay. I really like this magazine, and uh, I just 
I like the tech perspective. You know me. I love tech stuff. Definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to see what they wrote about this car. Okay. It was really just kind of still spec-heavy because at this point, of nobody's course. really driven it. Nobody's got anything to say All anybody has to go on yeah. is specs. Yeah, just all the listing. Yeah. That's that's all we can do. But wow. Mm-hmm. Just and, – and I did watch the Goodwood up the hill. Mm-hmm. By the way, Cam Automag, Mike from Cam Automag wrote to us and asked if we watched any Goodwood stuff. And I know you love it. Well, you've been too. That yeah, I had like the opportunity to go yeah. in 2015, and that was just – it was something else. I mm. really love being there. I would and love to go. I really would. We, we need to go. Yeah. It's such a <laughs> – just – Unbelievable time with mm. the most ridiculous machinery that shows up. The dirt, dusty parking lot is a car show. Of course it is. Not to mention the of pavilions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the cars going up yeah. the hill, and well, it's such overload. But, it's but, great. But whatever. But whatever. I start to get used to Goodwood. You know what strikes me? This is a man's <laughs> driveway. It is Lord March, mm-hmm. and what a great idea! I've got a long driveway, and uh, why don't I have all my hot shoe friends? Drivers and they'll drive their fun cars up the but, hill. But isn't but isn't that maybe honestly in in the car world the the biggest I have money come bring your cars of anybody on the planet? I mean, there's plenty of people, sheiks, sultans, oh, people yeah. that run whatever that have ridiculous numbers of cars. But here is a man who has gone so far into <laughs> I have money and I love cars that you literally are coming in droves to watch people drive up his driveway. Just yeah, to take exactly. it out of the perspective we actually have and think about the sentence for a minute and be like, what now? The property and the area is so big. I don't know if he owns all that countryside. Who knows? But the thing to do is rent the camper, stay overnight. And that's what everybody does. You, they're camping all over the hillsides, and it's pretty much just come over to my house, everybody, and look at fun cars. It's it's that's Woods, all it it's is. Woodstock at the man's yard. It it's is just at, at how much of the year to follow does he spend recovering his yard, <laughs> only to get it rutted the next year? Exactly. I, but it's it's unbelievable to me that this is essentially his garden party. That that's what shocks me about Goodwood. <laughs> come to Lord March's garden party. And uh, you're right. That's where cars debut, and that's where this GT2 RS debuted. Of course, Porsche thought it was a great place to introduce their car that man, has oh 700 horsepower that's in a f- road car. Well, but in a but 911. That there's the key trick. Holy a 3,200 pound 911. Their race cars have less, I believe. Oh my gosh, yes. I. I Unbelievable. I mean, I mean yes, the, we can't wait till people start driving this car and putting it on camera. 700 horsepower rear wheel drive man. only. I mean, it's going to earn earn that Widowmaker model. Honestly, I, I hate to say this sentence, but it's true. Countdown until we see the photo of one of these wrapped around a light pole. It's uh, going to happen. Yeah, I know. Because, I hope not. Because guys with big checkbooks are, gonna, are already on the list. You know that the list is already. Of course. Here's how are. long you have to wait, yeah. if you can even get one. But then there's going to be guys that are going to drive it and have no idea and put their foot in it. And it's going to be spun right around a pole. It's going to happen. I hate to say it. 700 horsepower in a 3,200-pound car of any kind is a ridiculous handful. <laughs> And Wired Magazine finishes up their article here about uh, the prior generation, GT2 RS, from 2011, Mm -hmm. only 620 horsepower, and it gets by with a 3.30 to 60, so sniff. But you remember the – you and I got to drive the GT3 RS 4.0, naturally aspirated. That's a special, special 911. That was the 997 GT3 RS, the special version with the extra (laughs) engine. That's like 450 horsepower. Yeah, it's way up there. Never in driving that car did I not think this car could kill me. Okay? <laughs> I, it, I never had a moment driving that car when I didn't think I have to be – besides the fact that it's a half-million-dollar car and we were driving it. Besides right. that fact, I was never driving it and thinking, I got this. This car's fine. I kept thinking, let's – look, we both drove it fast and hard, yeah. and the footage and shows it. We weren't and, thinking, man, you know, we really got to – you know, ring it out yeah. here. Get the really, slow really car ought, fast. Really ought to try thing. to find, see if this car's fast. No, it was plenty fast, and you and I drove it very quickly. But at the same time, I also kept thinking this car could go terribly wrong. So <laughs> let's could. add two hundred plus horsepower to that recipe. Have fun. Unbelievable. <laughs> Here it is. It's coming. I, of course, love it instantly. Of course you do. I just, and it's even silver and black for you. Isn't it the best? But Couldn't it have been a color? They, how, <laughs> how many Porsche colors are there? Do a unique color. It's an interesting hue of silver. Oh, stop. It's, it's a little bit different. Here. It's not. It's silver with black stripes. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's there, but I think Porsche's you know, continuing to exacerbate their problem of 
speculation cars because they're limiting these cars and they're saying, no, 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 go drive our cars. And then we're only making it available to the rich guys of the planet who are going to, as you said, drive these or not drive them and well, stick but, it in their garage. But let's hope they're going to do what they've promised, which is they're taking uh, they're, they're taking note of the people that are putting their cars in mothballs. And if you call up with a bunch of money and you're that guy, they won't sell you the car. Let's hope they're doing that for real. I hope so, because these need to be out there and driving and tracked. Agreed. And, Agreed. I mean, $300,000 for a 911. Unbelievable. Before we go on, I want to talk about Auto Tempest. They're our new sponsor on the show yeah. because they provide that service you and I do. We're right. always looking up cars online. You can go to autotempest.com, and you can type in your search term once, and it searches all the big names and some of the little ones. So you go there, Auto Tempest, that is T-E-M-P-E-S-T, -E -E like a storm, autotempest.com. And if you aren't looking for a car right now, you can do it for fun, or you can do it and then give them feedback on how the website works. They want that as well, which is really cool. Lots of uh, cool car debates here. As Todd said, we've got Ben in Salt Lake City, who's a fan of the show here. Ben, thank you so much for writing. Definitely. He's uh, got a unique debate here, mm -hmm. which I picked out here from the emails. He's looking for a car between forty dollars and $50,000. Great budget. Fantastic right. budget. Yeah, lots of stuff out there for that. So as you know, in Salt Lake, it's currently summer. It's actually pretty hot here. It way is. Up in the mountains yeah, we're doing here, pretty well. Up in Park City. And uh, he's looking at a bunch of stuff. He's thinking about... Two cars that he's narrowed his search down to that are very, very different. Agreed. Agreed. I'm I, shocked I was, at this. I, I, was, I was stunned to read through this email and to realize, no, 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 you've narrowed this down to two cars. Then it was, wait, those are the two cars you've narrowed it down to? I mean, of anything yeah. we could buy. And as you know, we've got dramatic weather shifts here. Mm -hmm. You Canadians mm -hmm. listening, you've got dramatic weather changes too. It's not a contest. <laughs> We're not saying we have the world's worst dramatic it's weather. Just, but we do have, I mean, let's We've be, got seasons. Let's we, put it that exactly. way. We've, we've ha We're having our 90 degree weather week this week. Yes. And yes. we will have our, look, it's negative 15 degree weather week in the middle of the winter and everything in between. <laughs> so here we have Ben who drives obviously in the Salt Lake area and uh, he has this, you know, forty dollars to $50,000 range. And he's talking about a car he really could drive year-round. That's a key thing here. He wants it to be fun, sporty, and have some personality. But he is thinking year-round, and he narrows it down to – I'm shocked at these two. He narrows it down to, oh, look, I've found I could get myself an Audi TTRS. You could. Those are rare. They are cool. There's actually two in the Park City. There's a white one, and there's a, like a gunmetal gray one. Oh, that's that right. That I see every that's winter. Right. Both of those, I see them randomly. And they and they pop up like the random, it's it's like this random unicorn. You see, oh my gosh, there it is right there. It's parked right there. Right, you right. See, but you, I, I feel like I never see those cars in the summer, and I end up seeing both of them in the winter. Which is, And they're great year-round, too. Which makes me wonder if they're somebody's just winter fun car. And that's what Ooh. Ben's debating. Because that's what I'm saying. I've never seen those two cars, the white that's one or the gray thought. one, in the summer. I've never seen them once. But yet they are here. So he's fascinated by that car and thinking, I could drive it year-round. It's interesting. And so that's his debate for one of them. And then the other one <laughs> is what? Here we go. 2014 or 2015 Chevy Camaro Z28. Mm -hmm. Now, if you remember this car, this is the one that has probably the stickiest tires you and I have ever experienced, short of slicks. These were... They're like Pirelli P0 Nero something. Yeah, they, they two were. Two or three other words are in there, and they just, they're bubble gum. They're, I just recall they were nearly gum. melting when we drove the car. Well, and just was, from the day, just mm -hmm. from the heat of the day, yeah. not driving hard. They were melting into the pavement. They were those classic. Amazing. It was that classic problem that we that we have when we get tires hot on a hot day. But we had a hot day with those tires. You pull slowly into a turnout <laughs> that's got the little dirt and gravel. And then when you pull back on the road, we had to do this in the Z20. You had to pull back on the road slowly because everything is stuck to the tires. And you had to drive the first quarter to half mile slowly, just letting the tires clean themselves yeah, and just throw stuff it off. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right, so you've heard it. Audi TT RS or a 2014 or 2015 Camaro Z28. And as you said here, Ben... They're in the $40,000 range. It's been a while since I've looked at these cars, mm -hmm. and I had to prove you wrong, but you're absolutely right. I went <laughs> looking. they like stones. Unbelievable. Brand new. One of these has just under 1,000 miles, and it's under fifty grand. Unbelievable. They were 80 to 90 marked up brand new. Yeah. yeah and yeah. here we are. I mean, 2,700 miles for $48,000 on a 2015 Z28. 
Gosh, that's such a trend. They have fallen off a cliff. They have. They have. But they're very singularly focused, Agreed. more so than Agreed. just about any car that we recommend. The and interior's not great. I agree. It's I agree. very bare bones. This is a track car. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. is. It is. I mean, you and I had an incredible amount of fun with it on one of our very favorite roads in L.A. We drove it hard yeah. on a great back road that is one of those back roads that has some high-speed sections, and then it gets into really tight technical stuff. And I remember going on some of those corners in that car and just thinking, I've never done that that fast. I've never done that that flat. That right. car continued to shock <laughs> me with how capable it was. We had it, interestingly enough, with the Hellcat. That's right. And the Hellcat Challenger... Sometime it just it started to reveal how big it was the farther you got back on that back road. And the Z28 just kept hunkering down and going, we could do that faster. Why aren't you Seven pushing harder? Seven liter V8. It was unbelievable how capable it was. Yeah. And, and Ben acknowledges, he acknowledges he's kind of likes the 1M. But, Again with the 1M. Yeah, exactly. Love it. But he's worried about the fact that he the ones he can afford are the bottom of the 1M category. And he wishes they were ten grand cheaper. We all wish they were ten grand cheaper than no Ben. That's the thing. That so he really has narrowed down these two cars dramatically. He has driven the race prep Mustangs out here at our local Utah Motorsports Park. So he's driven some race prepped cars and thought about this is pretty hardcore. His but the thing that keeps him coming back. I like this sentence from you, Ben. The thing that keeps him coming back to the Z28 is he feels like it is the budget version of the Porsche GT3. I don't it, ever think I've heard it put that, quite that's that an way. Interesting, it's an interesting assessment. And I, and I see how you got there, Ben, and I kind of want to agree with you, except for one thing. Okay. Even the stripped-out GT3s of the world. Now, I'm not going GT3 RS because that's stripped further. Right. But even the stripped-out GT3s of the world are kind of a nice place to be. You could drive that car year-round, and you're not really suffering that much. Now, please, the same is true with the Z28. Please just go ahead and get it with a stereo and climate controls. Right. There's exactly. no reason not to, okay? That's not really who you are, unless you are actually putting <laughs> this on a trailer and it's only your track car. Go ahead and splurge for air conditioning. That's the weirdest sentence I've ever said, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> exactly. so anyway, but I actually think I like the Z28 a lot. Watch our review. I had a lot of fun in that car. I think it's the wrong choice here. It's funny you say that because Ben is really intrigued by the Audi, and you and I don't really run to the TT mm -hmm. for recommendations too often. It's true. It's true. I mean, it's an excellent car. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to actually drive generations of the TT. There's been enough of them since, I think, 01? It's been 2000, a while. 2001? Yeah. It's been a while, yeah. Maybe 99. I can't remember. It's been around quite a while. In its latest iteration and the RS, it's quite a car. But, you know, dynamically speaking, we run to some other fun stuff. So you'll notice we don't talk about it that much. But, mm -hmm. yes, what a great choice. You're intrigued by it. But to Todd's point here, I keep thinking about winters and just wintertime yeah. driving and just yeah. kind of the the day-to-day -day grind of, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the, the tires that – the excellent tires, winter tires, you would need on that Z28. And even then, I think the power would still overwhelm that car. You wouldn't be able to have really any fun because it needs grip. To, to well, be fun, it just needs grip. The trick of that car is its mechanical grip. Yes. That is its party piece. Yes. And and it's unbelievable to drive. Ben. If, if you had told me when you wrote in, you told me that you spend a ton of time at the track. If that was part of your email here, I would push you toward the Z28. But this is your daily car. It's your right. daily year-round car. So I think it's wrong. I like it, but I think it's wrong. And I, I have an alternative for you, though. Okay. Because I like the TTRS. I see what you're saying. It's very unique. You would be one of very few around here. You would enjoy it in the summer. You would enjoy it in the winter. I, I see all the logic of the TTRS. The thing about the Z28 that I think is under your skin is you talk about how you kind of want that attitude V8 fun. Sure. That's what's got sure. you intrigued. So, okay. But I'm going to solve that problem, American V8 fun, but yet put you in a car you can drive year-round. Corvette C7. Get a used one of those. I would drive. Look, I'm the guy that has driven rear-wheel drive sports cars for the last few winters on winter tires. Well, yes, you've, you've proved but the model, even though the FRS is not you not know, a powerful huge car. power. Not a, no, 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 it's not. Come it's through not. those back wheels, absolutely. But I think that you could sit in a snowstorm in a Corvette C7 and be perfectly happy to be sitting there. I think you'd sit in a snowstorm in a, in a Z28 and wish you were somewhere else. I'm with you. No, I like the C7 idea. And it got me thinking as well, Ben, why is the GT350 not on here? 
for some reason, question. I kind of feel like that would almost be a better choice even in winter, even though that is every bit as fast and powerful and all that stuff. Just, I guess my perception is you can drive a Mustang all year round. Mm-hmm. No problem. Yeah. 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 But you know, GT350, that's a different category with power. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like the Z28 is just so stripped out, track focused. It does one thing. Whereas Mustang, I still look at them even in the hot form. I see that. As m- I see that. More yeah. versatile. For I'm glad some you reason. brought that up. No, no, no. But here's but here's the thing we're talking about. Well, that's I my think, alternative I think, for Ben. That's excellent. I think Ben's GT3 point is key here. It, we're talking about, in the Z28, we're talking about yeah. a car yeah. focused for the you must track this. But we're not talking about a car whose life is going to be, look at me, I'm at the track. So I think it's the wrong car. But we can solve that V8 thing. And you're right. The V8 in that GT350 is fantastic. It's a great uh, car. I mean, bo- both Hugely look, powerful. The, the C7 Corvette and the 350 are both going to be a handful in the winter. Winter tires can get it done. Yeah. Absolutely, you can. But I, I think about when you start driving in the winter, you start to think about, besides the fact that, where is my grip? Besides this reality, <laughs> it's just what's the place you're sitting in? Sure. And I think the the thing about the FRS that makes it okay in the winter beyond all this, unlike the Z28. The heater? Yeah. Well, no, you, you say that, and that's, that's only half kidding, because the <laughs> heater is actually better in the FRS than it was in my Saab 92X, which is well, crazy. Yes, yes. But, no, but that's crazy to me, because you would think the Saab, Subaru, you would think that heater would be great. No, no, the FRS was always better, which so is crazy. Funny. But the FRS feels light and agile, and it feels like your friend in the winter. Right, right. I think the Z28 would be trying to kill you. Constantly, and mm-hmm. winter would only make it worse. And the, and the FRS never gives you that impression. It never. It, it's like it's here for you. Sure, it's here for you. I think. I still think that that Mustang would be more toward the Z twenty eight part of that. It equation. would. It would. But I think that the C seven. I don't think the C seven would be have a tendency to want to bite all the time. You get some good winter tires on it. I think it'd be great. And then just wrapping up with a TT thought, I mean, sure. that car is ultimately going to be the best of any of these choices as far as interior, spending time. But you mentioned your commute's Completely. not very long. Completely. So, you know, if you're doing road trips, things like that, yeah, that is a consideration. It's the nicest place to be, for sure. And it's it's the most unicorn car we're talking about. I mean, yeah. even the GT350 yeah. is more likely to be seen at your local car club than an <laughs> Audi TTRS. In spite of the fact I've seen two in Park City, they never come to the car club <laughs> event, so you're still safe, Ben. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, moving on to the next debate for Alex in the U.K., who's been watching as well, YouTube channel, and he's just started listening to the podcast. Really appreciate you writing in. Definitely, Alex. Thank you, man. He lived in the U.S. last year and actually had a 2015 mm-hmm. Mustang GT. Agreed. Orange with a black stripe. Loved <laughs> the torque of the 5.0. And just, yeah, really, really delighted by this car. He had that stereotypical, but where has this been all my life, American car ownership <laughs> experience. And now he's moved back to the U.S., I mean, moved back from the U.S. to the U.K. and gone, I really miss that. Yeah. But it's not a reality for where he is now. Yeah, this uh, the car that you had while you were living in the U.K., he had a Toyota Celica last generation, 190 horsepower, but of course he wrung that out too. And now back in the U.K., got a Nissan 350Z, but had to get rid of it because it was a money pit. It's too bad to hear that, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I haven't heard too many things. I, I always you know, think Japanese cars are not going to be money pits necessarily. Well, but I want to take a side note here for a second. We actually had a question, and I don't have it in front of me. We actually had a question tonight on our uh, – we have uh, oh, yes. a couple, couple times. People have asked us, why don't we recommend the Z cars more? Yeah, no, this is good. And the 350 or the 370. Obviously, I talk about the Z32, which is the 300 from the 90s. I talk about that right. a lot because I love it. It's stupid cheap to get one now. But the 350, let's be honest, they have their own spec series in racing. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. When you graduate from Miatas, a lot of people graduate from Miatas to 350s. That now is the faster track car. Sure. They're out there like crazy. You can you can make them into monsters. And they're excellent at Then that. you've got the 370, which is, in many ways, the budget Cayman. That was the car they were benchmarking when mm-hmm. they made the 370. Mm-hmm. The question is, why don't we recommend these cars more? I want to touch on it really quickly. Every time I've driven a 350, I wanted it to be a little bit better than it is. I'm not talking about track-prepped versions. It's a different animal. I'm talking about the street versions. I always want them to be, it's like an 8. I just I want it to be just sure. a little bit better than it is. So that's a problem that I will admit, call it a bias, if you will, but every time I've driven one, that's been my impression. The 370, I really like. I really like it. But price-wise... It's living in the world of the Porsche Cayman used. And at that point, it just loses. 
I hate yeah. to say it. No, you're you're not wrong here. I I'm with you. You and know, I really like it. But it's... we both come away thinking, oh yeah, the 370Z. I really like that car. But then immediately after that is all the other cars we like. You know what would actually be more fun than this is the blank or whatever that is. We remember mm -hmm. how and and what fun it is. Yeah. The other thing I think the 370Z is experiencing, it's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. I feel like Nissan should have updated this car Absolutely sooner yes, yes, than yes. now. I mean, mm -hmm. here we are with 370Zs have been around a long time. Mm -hmm. Now, you could say, well, that's a good thing because they're affordable. We can get into a fun car. For sure. It's Absolutely. delightful, a lot of power, all that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of other things adding to that list, too, mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of used cars, used fun cars. So I think, man, if only Nissan would to come out with the next, yeah. whatever that is, the next Z car. Mm -hmm. They've got a heritage here. They've got to do something. I mean, we've heard no rumors, no yeah. nothing. Yeah. Well, it's also in, a, in it's in an even stranger place in Nissan's lineup right now, new, than the GTR is. Because the GTR, at least, is the weird halo car. You can't really, if, sure. if you're going in to buy a Centaur, you can't really get a GTR, but you can say, hey, it looks like the GTR. Our or key whatever. fobs are just alike. Exactly, exactly right. The 370 is kind of a, a car without a category for Nissan because it's yeah. not the Halo car and it's not like the rest of their lineup at all. No. So what? Who's this car? Where is it? Where's where's it fit? It doesn't fit. Uh, but I I truly it's like it, and every time I drive it, I like it. And they were one of the ones that pioneered the the Synchro Rev Match, the Rev Match system. Oh yeah, which They're is one of the pioneers. It works really and well. Nissan, thank you. You pioneered it and gave it an off button right there by the gear yeah. stick. From the moment you introduced it, it works great. And you can turn it off. So these cars, look, maybe we don't mention them as much as we should. The problem is a used, well, the Z car new is way too expensive. Brand new, yes. The, yes. the, the good ones you want are way too expensive. Now, we've heard of some people that have found some killer deals on Nismos off the lot. If you can find a killer deal for that car that should be fifty grand, you find one for the, you know, the low 40s or the high 30s, yes, that's a deal. But once they get used, their used prices are looking right in the eyes of the Cayman, which is more interesting dynamically and feels nicer inside and is more usable, which is crazy. Crazy to think about, yeah. And then if you want to go more unique and exotic, you wind up in the Elises of the world. So the Z, the Z car is in this weird spot where there's just there's rock stars all around it. Yeah. That's its problem. It's not bad. It's just it's surrounded by really, really good. <laughs> well, speaking of which, wrenching us back to Alex's debate here, he offers up a list of the really good here mm -hmm. because he currently owns the Peugeot 208 GTI 30th Anniversary Edition, mm -hmm. which Thomas Helmanzik, our correspondent in Europe, has driven. He's put that car on camera, loved it, ranted and raved, yeah. got yeah. deep into the technical details of that car, and mm -hmm. really, really liked it. I'd love to drive it, as a matter mm -hmm. of fact. But here it is. Here's Alex. He's thinking... Rear-wheel drive, fun. He just misses that. I'm yeah. missing it. He misses that. So he lists a bunch of cars here. S2000, 370Z, BMW 135i Coupe. The TTS from Audi is mm -hmm. on this list as well. Notice that. Two more BMWs, the 228 and the Z4, 3 liter. And as you said, the Cayman S. And then finally, this last car, which I'm curious to know why this made your list, Alex. The Chrysler Crossfire. I think it's, honestly, I think it's almost more loved in Europe than it was here. This is interesting because the guy that designed it was Eric Stoddard. He interned okay. at Ford just before I did. Really? And I remember seeing his sketches for this car. I dug the sketches. Mm -hmm. I didn't like mm -hmm. the execution because they had to squish it onto the Mercedes SLK 320 platform. Exactly. Exactly right. Which is essentially what it is. And I'm thinking, well, if you like that, just get the Mercedes. I like it better. It's just... Is what it is. But I wonder if that's why this car, because I feel like the only people that bring this car up to us generally are folks in Europe. We rarely hear of this car otherwise. I never hear and about I this think car. I never because, see them here. Well, that's true. You don't ever see them here. But I think it's because it says Chrysler, but we know in our minds there's Mercedes engineering underneath, so that makes it safe. But yet, because you never see them, you think, I could have a Mercedes that doesn't look like anybody else's Mercedes. Because the SLK for a lot less money. Because the SLK you're going to see everywhere and trip over, but who's going to have a Chrysler Crossfire in the yeah. parking lot? I think that's why it speaks to European enthusiasts. Because because we've seen we haven't talked about them. We've seen two or three emails that have come across from Europe where somebody throws in a random Chrysler Crossfire, and we always go, "You did what now?" But I think that's what the key is. I think it's if you got the SLK from the same generation, you would be one of however many. 
But the Chrysler sure, Crossfire is sure. unique and different, and yet you know it's a Mercedes underneath. It's not just. A, I think there's a weird mix that happens with perception overseas. I still think it's out here. I by mean, the way, the best but, part about that car is the name. To be honest, I like the name, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, okay. Well, but it's it's one of those, it's one of those cars that is very striking. And then I feel like the longer you look at it, the worse it gets. I mean, I, anytime I do see one, it yeah. turns my head and look at oh, my crosswalk. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And then after a couple of seconds, certainly if I park behind one, that's the worst. Park behind one of those little light. I, I remember it happened, it happened a few times in L.A. Pulled up behind one of the lights. I was like, oh, wow, cross, cross. And by the time the, the light turned green, I decided that's not an attractive car. <laughs> Staring doesn't, too doesn't long Doesn't age well, yeah. Well, Alex has given us a budget of 20,000 pounds, but limits me to 30,000. <laughs> I'll just add 50%. I'll add 50% for Paul. It'll be fine. What could possibly you go wrong? You notice people are doing this. My oh, yeah. budget is 12, but you know what? I'll just add eight grand. Okay. Yeah. Because they know it's me. But he's worried about service cost and also something that's not going to cost him a lot of money because of his experience with the 350. Exactly. Because of his current experience, reliability is right. key, and cost of, of running is key. Absolutely. All right. So I think 30,000 pounds. You and I have gotten gotten into this discussion about luxury cars in the UK, new, are very expensive, mm-hmm. and then they fall off a cliff two, not two years later. Much much faster than they do here. We they get seem into this to just, they, they drop so fast they whistle. It's amazing. <laughs> What's it's that whistling amazing sound? how cheap they get. So this was on my mind as okay, I started okay. this journey here for Alex. And I thought about, well, I liked your list here. And I like the 228 that's on your list. I thought M235i, but it might not be possible at that price range. Not sure. Not sure. Have to okay, look. 228. How about a Mazda RX-8? Ooh, okay. Now, caveats here. You could argue unreliability over here. Yeah. Mostly due to... Poor maintenance on the behalf of the owner. Mm-hmm. So user error. It's a car that requires you to be an active owner. Right. And most people aren't. Let's be honest. Not a toaster. It nope. needs love and nope. maintenance Absolutely. constantly. Maybe a little bit more so than your average car. Mm-hmm. All right? On the other hand, there's, as you've said before, plenty of RX-8 owners that have, man, this thing's bulletproof. It just mm-hmm. runs. It's great. Thousands yeah. of miles. No problem. Yeah. And they're inexpensive. So you could go the you know buy a less expensive car, save some of that money for maintenance if it needs I see, it. I see that yeah. kind of interesting yeah, yeah. because it is unique and different, and it does have personality mm-hmm. that both Todd and I love. Mm-hmm. And then I came to the nine eleven. I mean, hmm. for the okay. conversation we're talking about here, luxury cars that fall off a cliff. And could you go nine nine six? Could you go nine nine seven? Interesting. For 30,000 pounds. Maybe. I haven't shopped, Alex. Maybe in that world. Maybe. But could you? Mm -hmm. And again, those cars need maintenance too, just like anything. But I think you're going to have to bring this mindset to anything But what's interesting about the 911 in this discussion, and I think he's got a Cayman on here as well, and I think would would, uh, be in the same category. I think, look, those cars are going to be expensive when they need something, but they're not going to need random things. That's a, that's yeah, the, that's that's a good thing about Porsches. Yeah. Is, uh, and, and we both say this as owners. I mean, I, I, I've been, honestly, and I am the, not the Porsche guy in the room, but this is the thing that has thankfully shocked me about our Cayenne. When we get something yeah. done, not inexpensive. Breathtaking, yeah. Thankfully, going to an independent guy, it becomes close to what it would be for other normal cars. It sure. becomes close. If we went to the dealer, it would be like, how many times what's normal is this going to cost? <laughs> yeah. But luckily, the independent thing makes it work. But stuff just doesn't break. It's not like I have this car and I'm worried because my wife's going to call me and be like, so this broke today. And I, and I know people who that's their experience with their cars. Sure. And that hasn't sure. been the Cayenne. Thank God it hasn't been the Cayenne that way. But so that's the thing. I think if you got a 911 or if you got a Cayman for this budget, it's going to cost you more when stuff needs to be done, but I don't think it's going to be unreliable at all. It's just going to need maintenance. It's just going Whereas to need maintenance. as you get yeah. one yeah. of these used BMWs, I'm worried about you having a similar experience to what you're having with a 350Z. Could be. Maybe not. Could be, yeah. Maybe not. But. Let's be honest, an older, higher-mileage BMW tends to have more random things break. They just do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are you at on uh, on Alex here? Anything well, strike you out of his list? Yes. I think there's an answer here, and I also have a wild card. Okay. Because here's the thing. He loved that Mustang for the personality. 
Oh, yeah. He wants something kind of unique and fun. It needs to be, those are the two categories. It needs to be unique and fun. That's right. what he's missing about being back, I feel. Being back in the UK, he's, he wants that unique thing. Right. right. Okay. But we've got 30,000 pounds at the most. He did say, before I say it, he did say he drove the GT86 and he decided it is entirely too slow. So that car's out. So I'm not <laughs> recommending the 86 platform I'm glad at all. you said that, yes. So that's out. But one of the ones on his list that I do think checks all the boxes, and then also led me to a wild card, but you, but he, you said how much you liked driving your Toyota Celica because you could wind it out to 8,200 I mean, 8, RPMs. You want unique. You want chuckable. You want rear-wheel drive. You want reliable Interesting okay. twist. All right. Honda S2000. It's on his list. It's on and the it list. answers it. No kidding. It's not my wild card, but I do think. You can beat on that car, and it'll just run. And they just run. Yeah. They just run. Uh, Edgar, who shoots for us in L.A., yeah. is kind of to all of our shot because his car is gorgeous. He's selling his 06 red one right now. He just put it up for sale for just under nineteen grand. He's selling his, it's like... It's beautiful. 07, 70 or, I 70 think. 70 or 80,000 mile 07 red, pristine car. Oh, yeah, it's great. Uh, it's got me thinking bad thoughts. But <laughs> but it is a great car. Gra- hey. Granted, that's... Uh. Exactly. That's not solving Alex's question because the car's not in the UK. But I even remember that years ago, Top Gear was doing surveys every year. This is before they went global. Okay. They were doing surveys every year about who, what car do you like the most. Okay. And for a couple of years in the row... The S2001, owners were the happiest with that car of any car they owned. And one of the categories was reliability. And it just scored through the roof. It's amazing. So you'll look, it's unique. It runs. It's fun to drive. It's reliable. I think it checks every box. I think that should be your front runner. And I have a wild card in spite of it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm ready. I mean, I've ended at the 911. That's where I'm at. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, here's my wild card. Because, because you're in the U.K., for that kind of money, you have options. Go back until you can afford one. Lotus Elise. <laughs> True. Seriously? There, there's, there's, t- there's, there's tons Seriously. of them. Because there there's are. tons of them. You can keep it. Now, avoid the Rover engine. I've never heard good, good things about the Rover engine. But <laughs> Hello, got TBR. A, but they've got, a couple, well, they've got a couple of different Toyota engines that have been in that car. And you can get variations on the car. So it's somewhere, for less than 30,000 pounds, you could get yourself an Elise. Now, again, I'm in wildcard territory. I know that. But the thing is... I mean, home field advantage for him, though, right there. Outside of the Rover engine, those cars are typically reliable. Yeah. And they went to the Toyota engines, which, because they are reliable. And the Toyota engine is related to the Toyota Celica engine. That What did you like about that engine? You like winding it out. There it is. That's the connection. There it is. That's the connection. I love it. That is why that's my wildcard. I don't know that it's usable enough for you. It may be a little hardcore. I mean, the S2000 is already kind of close. But... The Lotus, the Lotus is another a little step. hardcore, huh? Yeah. You don't say. Yeah, exactly. Shocking that I said that, isn't it? <laughs> but no, but I think that's a decent wild card as close as you are because it connects back to that Celica and what you loved about that car while being better, let's be honest. And now we're going to go shopping again to find all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't buy. It's not that we can't afford them at this point. It's we shouldn't buy them just because. No, hopefully, Alex, that uh, helps you out. Thanks to you both for writing in. Definitely. Really, definitely. really appreciate it. Yeah, if you have your own car debate, you can reach us through the website, which is everydaydriver.com. There's a contact form there that comes straight to us. That inbox it winds up in is the same as the direct email address, which is everydaydrivertv at Gmail. You can reach us there as well. We do read all of the email that comes in. Yes. We obviously yes. don't cover it all, but if it comes in, one of us reads it. We put it in the pile for car debates. We try to match them up, but please send in your car debates. We love that. Also, as you've obviously done, social media, you are bombarding us with questions. Thank you. We ask for it uh, the day before we record. or the, I mean, the day before you hear the podcast is typically when we record. We ask for questions. You've buried us again, and we have many to cover. Edgar's S2000 is for sale. It's beautiful and it's red. I know. I'm anyway. I'm suddenly I'm, you want me in the S two thousand. I know. I'm hey, thinking. Don't think when he sent me that info, I didn't think. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why don't I? Except yeah. Anyway, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Jumping straight to the questions here. Uh, wow. We've got to start somewhere. So I'm I'm going to start with design. Okay. On Facebook, we've got All a right. couple of folks here. Neil. And Denise, via John, John S. here, I believe, Neil asks if we could bring any single design or style choice Hmm. forward from a classic car into a new car, what would it be and what car would you do it to? Hmm. 
And then Denise, I believe John writing on Denise's account, is asking, if there were no safety or other regulatory restrictions imposed on car design, then what are the major styling differences compared to modern cars? Those do relate well. I like that. So he's asking, you know, is there a greater variety in how bumpers look since they wouldn't need to withstand the minor impact, you know, the impact uh, standards that governments have and lower hood lines, all that kind of stuff. You're absolutely right, John. And Neil, to answer yours... I'm really intrigued by Ferraris from the 60s. Mm. Also, the 58 Ferrari Testarossa. I mean, I'd love to bring the cycle fender look, even the the Aston Lagondas from the 30s. That cycle fender look. Just beautiful, simple, clean shapes Mm -hmm. that really manifested themselves by virtue of manufacturing. Mm. A single, just gently curved shape was easier to hammer out of metal than a complex stamping that we have today. Sure. Mazda's a great example. They're beautiful, but those are difficult sheet metal pieces to create. Yeah, look at all the folds in the current Mazda design, which is a great point. And that's technology bringing that to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think, all right, the the craftsmanship from the old school, Mm, you know, just single, long, beautiful, clean sheet metal styling, Mm. those 60s cars, the GTO, the Ferrari GTO. Sure. The 60s, 62. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just clean stuff and bring that to modern cars and then john to answer your question here yes you're absolutely right think about government regulations or even just money saving where companies want to build the turn signal into the headlight cluster so now instead Mm -hmm. of having a separate turn signal module that's a separate build a separate piece into the bumper that might integrate into the design it's now all in one piece and that becomes very much an economy car and then you have to do something with the bumper to just kind of restyle it a little bit. But you're right. Think concept cars, lower hood lines, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Headlights can do any kind of crazy stuff sure, because sure, sure. cost is no object at this point. It can you're be right. the latest LED lighting technology. But you know what? That's not going to pass the government crash standards true, for whatever true. because of the reason. And you mm-hmm. can do that on a concept car. So absolutely all that kind of stuff. And funny enough... <laughs> Car companies actually create the sketch of the concept car after it's done, so the sketch matches the concept sure. car. Sure, they play around with it for a they while. They kind yeah, of yeah. do it in reverse order, interestingly, and sometimes they build the concept car after the production car is even created to mm. kind of, what could we actually do with this production yeah. car yeah, yeah, that yeah. has, you know, stuffed trim and, you know, mm-hmm. the the rear view mirrors and all that kind of stuff. Let's put cameras on them and let's put all yeah. this stuff on them. So you're right. I, I'm intrigued by that. But uh, absolutely, think concept cars, hmm. and then designers do that after the fact, after that that production car is already done, and they push it and get edgy even more. Interesting. That's where the fun's at. Okay. I, I hadn't I had actually noticed these questions, and now you got my brain thinking. I don't have the design acumen that you do, but I do have two thoughts real quick. One is, what if luxury cars could integrate tail fins again? The big on the big boats, the big boats. Oh, that'd be interesting. The caddies and the and the Mercedes S classes and the new Lincoln. Okay, what if we had tail fins again, instead of rounded off, boxed out LEDs that are merged with the body panels? Let's just go fins. That's funny. That would be interesting. Look, I, I'm not the designer. I can't imagine how that works. But that's one. And then, as far as regulations are concerned, I do have a bone to pick here. Okay, because pedestrian crash testing has result in higher front ends on everything. It has. It's actually part of software for car designers mm -hmm. to understand when you hit a person and they bend over at the waist, it calculates where on the hood their head will hit. And you want to make sure what's under there is actually soft, air quotes. Quasi-crumple zone. There has to be a certain, I forget what it is, but a certain number of inches between the underside of the hood, the metal hood, and the top of the engine block that has to have a certain number of inches of compression, and that has completely changed the front ends of cars. And the one that I go to, because I experienced it, obviously, was the Nissan Z car that I had, the Z32. The oh, joke sure. you and I always had is, lift the hood on one of those cars, and there is another hood underneath that is all engine. It's so right. tightly packed in there right. that it's just a whole line of engine. Open the hood on a new car, and there's space vertically underneath the hood yeah and that has resulted in let's be honest all cars kind of looking like suv front ends because they've got to create crumple zone yeah they've got higher snouts on them for a person they've and that's a terrible thought but that's the reality of it and it's (laughs) stay out of the street right well you would hope but 
Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, you would think if you're, yeah, I should leave that. But <laughs> we'll just leave that for now. But at the same time, though, I have to think about the fact that how hard that is make made it for car designers to create a really sharp front engine. Par, par, pardon me, a sharp nose on any car because you've got to have that crumple zone. Yeah, and we're seeing regulations affect the look of a car hugely. So, and it's gone in the reverse direction. We had pop-up headlights in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And how cool was that? But they're 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 cool in their we own don't way. Yeah, need that anymore. I no, mean, all that necessary. complex mechanism and all that stuff. But man, it allowed for that sloping nose and just yeah. some classic iconic designs. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I wanted to speak to Mario's question real quick on Facebook. Uh, I've been asked this question any time we come out with a uh, video on the FRS. Okay. And that is, he says, is there much access to E85 fuel in Utah? Oh, because yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the 86 platform, it's pretty widely known that you can get an E85 tune and suddenly find a ridiculous amount of power out of a little engine that it didn't have before. Right, right. You know, guys naturally aspirated are cranking out uh, kind of supercharged numbers by just going E85. When I got the tune from Open Flash Tablet, yeah. the first question that he asked me was, can you get E85? Oh, interesting. So it is this thing to unlock power in that car specifically. And the answer, Mario, is there is one station within 100 miles of my location. Oh, man. And it yeah. is more than 50 miles away from me one way. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that is now a non-starter. Now, yeah. I have actually heard of guys who will fill up the 55-gallon drums of E85 and pump it at their own house. Oh, my gosh. I am not Hardcore. doing that. I Hardcore. will drive the roughly 400 yards from my house to my local gas station and put in normal gas and go on my merry way. <laughs> so there's so few in Utah that it's not even worth discussing. I know places like California, they've got a lot more in Southern Cal. A lot of guys have done the E85 tune on this car specifically and others. But here in Utah, it's just it's so rare. If, if I live down the block from it, I might consider it. I live 50 miles one way from this station. Not going to happen. Crazy. On Twitter, Kay Cogliano, super quick, is asking us, what radar detector do we recommend mm. and what do you use when driving on back roads? Uh, super quick, this is not an advertisement, but I will say Valentine won. And Mike Valentine from uh, his early days from, I think, Cincinnati Microwave, and he developed the first Escort way back in the day. Mm. He's had radar under his, you know, under his skin, in his blood for a long, long time, and the radar detector itself, the design is nothing spectacular, but they will update the guts yeah. if you send that in. Yeah. So they're expensive to begin with. Radar detectors are. True. And True. they are not foolproof. They nope. just add nope. a layer, a slight layer. I've proven that they're not foolproof in any way. <laughs> but in California, they've saved my bacon a lot. Yeah. Many times. So Many times. they yeah. can be good and bad. But, uh, well, not really bad, but, you know, they're not foolproof. Like I said, yeah. they don't, you know, they're not uh, they're not the end-all solution. But I like Valentine 1. You'll see those in pretty much any real exotic car. Guarantee it's going to be Valentine 1. Yeah, probably true. Uh, Shane rolled in, wrote in on uh, Instagram. Thank you. He wrote in and said, okay, theoretically, you're starting a new job in about a week. You're going to have a two-hour commute in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic. Oh, That's just. That that may be the definition of car hell right there. So if that's the case, in that scenario, would we keep the manual transmission car that we love? Or would we find try to find something with an automatic that will just make those two hours easier? I know what I'm answer, answering. Okay. PDK. PDK mm -hmm. all day long. Okay. I love, yeah, manual, absolutely. But PDK is so good mm -hmm. that it mm -hmm. takes the sting right out of a commute. Sure. It really does. Well, PDK or DSG or any of these really good dual-clutch transmissions. Yeah, DCT. That is the way to step used. around it. But I'm going to go a step further, though, Shane. If two hours – I'm is this two hours? I'm going to assume it's two hours one way. That's brutal. Brutal. So four hours a day you're in a car Oof. sitting there bumper to bumper. I did it not that long ago. Actually, when we were in L.A. for the L.A. Auto Show and I had that rental Prius, Chance and I did a two-hour across L.A. commute in the Prius – and oh, 45 right. minutes in, I wanted to hurt myself oh, because right. it would stop the pain of my back. But oh, but man. the thing I would say, Shane, is if, you, if that's really the way you're driving, you, we are getting into a scenario where what's your fun car that you only drive on the weekend because 
the car that you drive every day now has got to be comfort first and foremost in every category. Tran- the transmission's the does. beginning, but then it every does. other way of I've got to love these seats. I've got to love this stereo. The climate control's got to be awesome. Maybe I even want smart cruise control, which will help me creep through traffic. You've got to start thinking totally differently if this is your world. I don't like this line of thinking, but most of my proclivities, ding, ding, for all of the stuff like Lotus Elise goes right out the window. I was going to say, Can't do no low tie for Can't you. Can't do any of it yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. Interesting. All right. On Facebook, Joseph T. is asking us, with tomorrow being the 4th of July, what car... <laughs> Do you feel embodies America the most? Mm. And you and I could debate about cars that are built in America, but they're actually Japanese or they're German. Sure. Are sure, those American yeah. cars? They're built by American workers mm, in an yeah, American factory yeah, sure, in America. Sure. The Honda Accord is pretty much the most Absolutely. American-touched car on the planet. By the way, it's a Honda Accord. Yeah. <laughs> Nissan owns Tennessee. Honda <laughs> owns Ohio. Yeah. BMW owns South Carolina. Sure. On and on and sure, on. Sure, sure. You get the idea. Tesla is now, I consider, an American car company. For They're sure. designed For sure. and built in California. Yes. Despite Elon yes, being yes. South African. Certainly, yeah. That I look at Tesla as the fourth car company. FCA. We think Chrysler. Oh, American mm-hmm. car company. Mm-hmm. They're entirely owned by the Italians. Sure, yeah. So what is American? But I'm going to go way back to the beginning. Okay. Henry Ford and his <laughs> mass production <laughs> that he brought to okay. America and the car that is synonymous, I feel like. You could argue me up one side, down the other, but yeah. I'm going with the Mustang. I am. Okay. I'm going with that. Is I thought you were going to go Model T. I thought you were going to say it's July 4th, folks. Break out your Model Ts. But you and Mustang. <laughs> Everybody get in your Mustang. Okay. All no, right. I'm, I'm going with, with the Ford Mustang. Embodying America. That's interesting. I, I think that's All of that. I think that's defendable because of the fact that they also start the muscle car wars with that car. So not Kinda only do. is it the icon yeah. that it was, but it also just starts the muscle car wars to follow. You yeah. know? Um. Yeah, that's it's, that's it's a, fun that's to think a about. Very good one. That's a very it's good fun one. to think about. You know what I wonder about though? Okay. The uh, the '60s uh, Lincoln Continental with the suicide doors. That is iconic. You're right. I mean, that's just that's one of those cars that you have no question like about the where that comes from. Continental with the big suicide yeah. doors. I mean, and you've got the the JFK assassinations connected yeah. to that car. I mean, that is just a car that there's no question you know where that's from. I mean, nobody builds a four door convertible. Yeah, true. And then suicide doors. But then I also have to say, because it was iconic to me as a kid, I've told this story before, 57 Chevy. And you could argue that up one side and down the other, too. Because that's just, I I feel like it's another one of those cars. And and, and it's because that was my experience as a kid in England. Sure. I could ride a bike four blocks from my house and stare at one in the middle of 1970s, late 70s, early 80s England when everything was brown. (laughs) <laughs> and uninteresting was this classically almost teal blue and white 57 Chevy. And my little brain couldn't figure out why Chevrolet on the back wasn't pronounced that way. Funny. And it was this it was this spaceship. And it was, for me, who was not yet into cars like I am now, it was this icon of a country I didn't live in. They didn't really understand because they didn't grow up there. Sure. And it was this icon. So to this day, a 57 Chevy will stop me as an icon of America, for sure. That's a good one. I like that a lot. And we could argue Corvette. And of course, of course. On and on and on. But, but, but I think the interesting thing about this, though, and your Mustang, I think, is right in there. I think you sw- switch this for a second. Take a car that you could drop anywhere in the world people would know it's an American car. And the Mustang might win that contest right there. I, yeah, I kind of feel like it's up there. I mean, yeah, debatable, but fun to think about. Mm-hmm. And what's also fun to think about is the names of just about every manufacturer on the planet throughout history are the, the surnames mm. of the men and women. In many cases, yeah. Who invented the car, the car sure. brand, sure. whatever it is, the Dodge Brothers, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Just really fun to think about. Uh, Scott Durrell wrote in and said, uh, there's the rumors, of course. The C8 Ah, Corvette is going to be mid-engined. That's the rumor. Uh, Until, I think, honestly, until I'm sitting in one 
I'm going to continue con- consider that a rumor. I, I I don't care how many mules you show me with swirly camo. I need to be sitting in a mid-engine Digitized white look camo. Look behind me and see an engine. <laughs> then I'll believe it. But, okay, C- C8 Corvette is supposed to be mid-engine, and the rumors that are circling now is they'll keep selling the rear-wheel drive C7 alongside it and maybe make a sub-brand out of it and maybe make something. There's been all these weird rumors. So his question is, what do we think of that idea? Do they let the rear-wheel drive die? Does that line of the Corvette thinking really go away? I say bring it. Bring it on. Bring what? Bring Bring on the mid-engine C8 Corvette. Chevy needs an expensive halo car. I agree. Ford GT, everybody. $400,000. Totally agree. Ford's got one. Chevy has nothing. And by the way, the new ZL1 has the Corvette engine in it. Well, but you, but you Camaro soldiers on. That's you've your just, fun sports you've car. You just touched on it right there. You touched on the biggest thing for me. We've talked on this about this a little bit before, Scott, but we'll retread it some. I think the C8 needs to be mid-engine, mid-engine to make that Absolutely. car unique because the problem is that the Camaro has gotten so good, it is completely crowded or or overshadowed the Corvette's territory. Agreed. So I don't think you look as What's much as What's the point? I I I love the C7, and I personally would pick a C7 over the over the current Camaro. I would, but okay, yeah, they almost yeah. lay over each other as far as what they're capable of. Absolutely. So I think the C7 Corvette, as much as I love it, the rear-wheel drive Corvette needs to die to make the Corvette unique as a mid-engine, and what fills its place in that price, current price point and current uh, capability is with current Camaro. You can buy yeah. your rental spec yeah. one, or you can buy your super-duper one, and it covers the gamut just like the Mustang does over at Ford. Yeah, as we've talked about, I think Chevy needs to do what Ford's been doing, is stretch the boundaries of their entire product line from high to low. Mm. Chevy doesn't Ford have anything yeah. that's at the bottom end, right. inexpensive, right. fun, really, really good driver's mm-hmm. car that's $22,000. Yeah, That doesn't exist, yeah. and they don't have a halo car out here. Yeah. Like, Two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. A really big boy. A really aspirational, we've come to play supercar. Mm -hmm. They don't have it. I. That's why I'm going for it. I'm saying yeah. Well, I have one more question, but I didn't know if you had any others. I could keep going, but yeah, let's uh, let's leave things with yours. Okay, Tyler's got a cool question on Facebook. He says, if you and I could redo or replicate an old Top Gear adventure. Oh, so Brazil, <laughs> Vietnam, India, whatever. <laughs> what would we do, and what vehicles would we choose? Oh, okay. The vehicle part. I almost feel like the vehicle part. We could take the next hour and figure out. Yeah. I feel like pick the trip. But Let's this pick also the trip first, and then keep this it also going. Also made me think. This also made me think about an alternate of this. Okay. But there was a there was a trip that the Top Gear guys took. That's one of their less grand, but it's still one of my favorites. They drove. The the French built that crazy sky bridge, that, yes. that little thin sky bridge. And right yes. after they finished it, the three guys drove to that bridge in supercars from England. And there was a Pagani mm. Zonda on that trip. And they just – there was a – I think there was a uh, – what was the other, other two they took? It doesn't matter. The point is they took that. That was a great trip. And the other one – not even on here, but the other one was searching for the world's greatest driving road in three supercars. Those two are the ones that I would most like to redo, even though the epic ones in these countries where they're hacking through the brush are cool. I'd like to do the driving trip. Hmm. But if you're talking about an epic one that's hard, I have one completely out of Top Gear that I would love to replicate. Okay. All right. You and McGregor and his best <laughs> friend Charlie Borman – did something called Long Way Round. If you haven't seen it, it is fantastic adventuring. It's fantastic documentary filmmaking. They hopped on B- uh, BMW all-purpose, all-terrain motorcycles and rode around the world. So cool. And as so much cool. as I am not a motorcycle guy, I would love to do that trip. And you don't get the impression from the documentary at all that it was either easy or always fun. It was neither and yet the stuff they saw and the things they did, that's a trip I'd love to replicate. And you're thinking on bikes? You're thinking, or well, what would you do? It? I wouldn't want to do it on bikes, but the trip I saw them take, I'm not sure you could do the whole trip without doing it on bikes. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff they did and then mileage and I would I would rather do it in stuff. a car. I'm a car guy, yeah. but having seen that, that film a few times, it's actually a series, having seen it a few times... I don't know that what they did could be possible without being bikes. 
I know that camera vehicles there were uh, later on. They had other camera vehicles that were like uh, Land Rover, Range Rovers. But there's sections of that, especially in Russia, where it's the three of them. It's Ewan, Charlie, and their camera guy also on a motorcycle. And that's the entire group. That's right. They had no support vehicles because the support vehicles couldn't pull it off. So I think it would probably have to be bikes. Interesting. They did Long Way Round and Long Way Down. Long Way Down. Which was another tip of Scotland? Uh, tip of the, yeah, the, uh, the island, island of England. Tip of that all the way to the tip of South Africa, which is cool, but I think Long Way Round is better. Interesting. That bridge, I had to look it up. That is the Milau Viaduct, the thin, super tall, floating bridge that's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, we could go on. I'm going to touch on a continent that really intrigues me for whatever reason, but Africa. For all the terrain sure, they've done Botswana and the beauty and, stuff, yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah, Botswana really intrigues me. I mean, all the way to, to um, Cape Town, you know, just I'm intrigued by, by that. And just the size and the space yeah. and the different yeah. terrain from desert to mountains to you name it. I'm just I'm really intrigued. I'm not sure what vehicles yet. I'm not sure if well, I'm a truck. Or, they always take those unprepared know. cars. And get them across the desert, which is always so cool to see. It is, because you think, I'd need a Ford Raptor, mm-hmm. fully kitted out with a trailer full of everything spare. <laughs> That's what you and, think, right? Yeah. You know, it's going to yeah, bomb yeah, yeah. through, mm-hmm. and you, you know, this little tiny... Volkswagen Beetle, here we go. Oh, Let's gosh. do it. Yeah, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing, for sure. Man, we could go on, but we won't. We'll leave things here. In the U.S., happy 4th of July tomorrow, or on today. this release, today yep. on this release podcast. And uh, guys, thank you so much for listening, following along. Don't forget the pilgrimage trip. You are invited last week for early bird signups. Is that where That's we're true. at? We, yes. By, by the 7th, 8th, that actually goes up a little bit in price. A couple of you have signed up in the last week or so. Thank you. We do still have a couple of slots left. We'd love to fill them. Uh, remember, that is a full track day at the Nürburgring. This is not one lap at a time. This is put the car on the track and keep doing circles. Until your tank runs dry. Pretty much, yeah. That and also the same thing at Spa. These are open track days. These are not sessioned track days. Right. So we'd love to have you with us. Right. Thanks, guys, again. Looking forward to the next time. Cheers.